Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. Happy to be home. How are you? Yeah, def- definitely happy to be home. I, I think I just now opened my laptop bag for the very first time since I pulled in. I got I got home at 8 o'clock Sunday night, and I just kind of kicked back, relaxed, didn't do anything. But Eric, we had a, had a good weekend in Athens. It was a nice trip. The weather was beautiful. Uh, Kentucky mm-hmm. survived. Like, they didn't get absolutely murdered. I, I thought that they honestly were very competitive. And I think that the AP poll and the coaches poll and everything kind of reflects that they have earned some respect with their start. Uh, I, I was very curious to see where the AP would put them, considering Arkansas was number eight in the country, got beat 37 to nothing, wasn't competitive with Georgia and only dropped four spots earlier this year. Kentucky drops four spots in one poll, the AP to 15th, and three in the coaches to 14th. I think that's a really fair spot, given that they have winnable games down the stretch here to climb back into that top, near that top 10 and even higher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they're, I mean, they're in a good spot. I think in today's episode, we'll kind of talk about the season up to this point, where we want to see it go from here. Just, you know, overall, just have a little discussion about this football team. Um, the way you look at it, Sean, I mean, I think if you're a fan, these first seven games, I mean, realistically versus what they were up against, it probably went as well as it could have gone. I mean, to start 6-0, and to put yourself in a spot to play in such a big game against Georgia, um, everybody would have taken that to start the season. And I thought that Georgia team, man, it was uh, the most impressive defense I've ever seen live. Uh, I mean, I've seen Alabama play in person seen that Georgia team every year since 2015 in person. And uh, this group that they have has got to be one of the – I think it's on a finish as one of the all-time greats. So, um, you know, for Kentucky to have two scoring drives was, was, was pretty good against those guys. I think for that Georgia game, the only thing that really maybe surprised me, and, you know, you can go back and listen to last week's episode, I think it kind of played out a lot how I thought it would, that Georgia moved the ball a little easier than I thought it would against UK's defense. Um, Stat broadcast tracks big plays, I think is how they label it. But it's any passing play for more than 15 yards and any rush for more than 10 yards. Combined, Georgia had 17 compared to three for UK. And, I mean, the stats, you you look at the total plays. I think Georgia only ran 47 plays but had over 400 yards. I mean, they outgained UK by about 170-ish, I think, something like that. And, you know, they didn't really have to – you know, UK had some good defensive drives where they where they forced uh, three and outs or had, you know, one drive. I think the opening drive, Georgia only got one first down. I mean, they had good moments for sure. Um, but like it is a lot of times when they play Georgia, it, it was never really in doubt. And you can go – you can look at a couple plays. You can say, well, maybe if Jacquez Jones falls on that fumble, or maybe the game is different. Me, and, you know, if you say that, you're right. Like, we'll never know how it could have gone. The way I took it, though, Sean, is it was probably just going to prolong the inevitable that game. I think Georgia was just was just too good. Georgia's the better team, obviously. They have the, – the gap in talent is still there. I, I do think that it's closing, but I still think – I told someone yesterday that I feel like 2023 is that we're maybe – 2012, the next time that Kentucky goes to Georgia, I think that's the gap that I'm looking at. I want to see what the gap of talent's like then. If, if Kentucky completes this season 
and they win 10, 11 games. They hit the transfer portal hard. They start getting better skill guys at wide receiver. Those guys that can win one-on-ones, Derek, that's the difference. Those guys that just make explosive plays. I mean, to me, Stetson Bennett's not like an, an amazing quarterback. I just think that he has dudes that make plays for him. He puts the ball there, and they and they got guys that just can run by you and just blow by you. Uh, Kentucky they is have a getting, lot of injuries too on their offense, do. which is even more impressive well, how good they still are. And Kentucky's getting closer. They are. I mean, they're they're competitive in this game. This, this Georgia. The thing that I took away from it, Derek, is Georgia had a lot of teams by the start of the second quarter, already kind of packing it up and thinking, all right, let's move on to next so we can just try to get out of here without getting killed. Kentucky was down 14-7 to with the ball with 233 to go in the first half and a chance to tie the game. They competed, and they competed better than anyone has, in my opinion, against Georgia. And I think that that kind of bodes well for them moving forward. I love that the program gets itself up and has the confidence to go win that game but they just got to recruit better guys on the outside at wide receiver. They, they've got to get uh, some, some stuff from the transfer portal this offseason, and, and that's what this next half of the schedule is about. Finish strong, put yourself in a position to continue just chipping away at Georgia. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, you're sitting at 6-1. and one. Um, Game time just got announced for Mississippi State, which will be on October 30th. They'll play at 7 p.m. Eastern, so 6 p.m. if you're in the central time zone. Um, that's that's where it starts. I think this team – I thought about this on my drive home yesterday, Sean. I wanted to get your opinion on it. I very much bristled. I think it was Ben <laughs> uh, Link who talked about if it was more realistic to go – I can't remember the exact question. It's basically 11-1 and one or beat Georgia maybe was the question. I don't want to misquote uh, what Ben asked us. But I remember very much bristling at the notion that Kentucky might go 11-1 and one this year. So I, I might sound like I'm kind of – wishy-washy on this but you look at the schedule now and it's absolutely realistic that Kentucky could finish 11 and 1 I don't know that UK is going to be favored I really I really don't know how to kind of judge this Mississippi State team they just got destroyed by Alabama but that's never really surprised anybody had a few really close losses they beat a good NC State team they went on the road, beat Texas A&M, which is now in the top 25. I mean, they're a very interesting team. So I have no idea what that line is going to be. Tennessee, you know, we need to see the health of, of Hendon Hooker, but I would say they've played much better this season than what people thought they would. So those to, those to me are the two big games that are going to swing this because I really think, um, you know, New Mexico State and Vanderbilt, those should be blowout wins. I mean, they should cruise past both those teams. Louisville, I, I mean, I don't – Louisville is better, obviously, than, than New Mexico State and Vanderbilt, but I also don't think that they're as good as Mississippi State or Tennessee. So I, I definitely think that's probably a couple touchdown win for UK at this point. So really, the worst they should finish is nine and three. I guess, Sean, with this fan base, uh, what what should the expectations now be as the season? These last for, five games, with what we know now, with what we've seen for the rest of the season or the program moving forward the record for this season like what you got to get to 10 i agree yeah you got to get to 10 you you got to do something that's not been done yet uh they've won nine games in the regular season before they finished nine and three in the regular season in 2018 you got to do something that they haven't done and if they get to that 10th win and then two i think another thing that would be good is to finish the year finish the regular season in the top 10 of the ap poll and, and I think that's another notch for your program that you're just uh, 
you're another part of the ladder that you're climbing. But I think 10 wins should be the goal because that means that you go beat one of Mississippi State or Tennessee and then you win the other three and you get the 10 and two. I think that there's a great shot that they get to 11. If they can win this one at Mississippi State coming up, I just think the environment for that Tennessee game at Kroger Field, it's another one of those big game environments like we saw against Florida and LSU. Derek, I, I just think that if they go all in on that one, you have a chance to then push your record to eight and one. And with three games to play against three teams that you are better than, and you never know. Like, they sit 15th in the AP poll right now. Uh, the way this thing works, somebody's going to lose this week probably, and they're probably going to climb on their bye week mm-hmm. in the AP poll. And then you win a game at Mississippi State, you could find yourself in the top 10 of the AP poll with four games to play and like six weeks of college football left. You have no idea how this thing is going to play out. Just win let the craziness take care of business. And and I think that you could probably find yourself maybe knocking on the door of one of those top four spots by the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, if they're 11 and one, um, you know, the knock on them is going to be that they don't, you know, they're not going to play in a conference championship game. George is going to represent the East and it's somewhat unfortunate for UK, but there's probably a decent chance with how Florida's fallen off that, you know, none of their wins are really going to, well, be standouts for a resume at the end of the year. But uh, that's not really – I'm with you. I'm more in the short term. Winning these next two will will be the difference in how special this season ends up being. I'll, I'll, you will never find me saying nine and three is a disappointment of a season because I picked them to go eight and four. I mean, I thought they could go nine and three. And I'm not going to sit here and say if they don't go 11 and one, it was a failure of some sort. I mean, think about that in the historical context of UK football. Like that is a realistic goal this year with what we have, uh, with what we've seen and what, what's left for Kentucky. Um, I'm with you though, because if you win one of these next two, you're doing something that you haven't really done at UK in terms of having, you know, Stoops has never beat an SEC West opponent on the road. So if you do that, that's yes. your first one in Starkville since 08. And even if they lose that game, if they come home and beat Tennessee, well, that's the first back-to-back, you know, winning streak against Tennessee since I believe the 1970s. So either way, and, and again, it's you have a chance to beat Florida, well, Tennessee, and Louisville in the same year. When's the last time that they won six SEC games? In a oh, it's not been in it's not been in a lifetime. <laughs> or yeah, 77, maybe, maybe Because even the 2018 team went five and three. Right. In league play. So, I mean, you have a chance to do something special with and that. And if you go six and two, you're for sure going to finish second. I mean, Florida already has three losses. And, and then a couple more things here, too, that, that I'm looking at this. So, Mark Stoops, you want to see and you want to know, hey, am I moving this program somewhere else? Or am I doing things that we've already done? Like, is it going to be nine and three with a, a Citrus Bowl game or something like that? Or are we going to get that 10th win and get to a New Year's Six? Am I taking this program to new places? I think that that's big. And not saying that Stoops is going to leave Kentucky, but I think that's big if somebody comes calling, Derek, in addition to the money Kentucky's going to give him. I think that your mindset, you need to say, hey, look, I'm still doing new things at this program and taking it to another to another level, and we're just getting started here with this success. I think that's a big thing in his mind. And then, two, you can't let happen what happened in 2018 where you go and you lose a game you should not lose that cost you a New Year's Six game. If you want to be one of those programs that lines up against the best of the best, not only on the field but in recruiting – you finish this thing off and you put your program in a national spotlight in a New Year's Six in Atlanta or somewhere else. That is a huge step for this program. And this program, it's playing for so much the next five games. 
Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back to the first thing you said. Um, and I, we don't have to touch on this a ton because I think it's probably going to be one of the biggest things we talk about towards the end of the season. But with what we've seen so far, with how they've kind of developed this program, this is going to be a tipping point type off season for Kentucky football that I honestly think could kind of change the direction of not only the short-term program, but potentially long-term as well. At this point, I think it's pretty clear to say that bearing just a total disaster in the second half, I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty much guaranteed to go eight and four. I, I don't see any way that they lose to New Mexico state or Vanderbilt. And I really don't see them losing to Louisville either, but, um, so let's say they go at least nine. I think it's at least nine wins again. I think athletic directors around the country are going to see that Kentucky went nine and three twice in four years. So they did something that they hadn't done in a long time and he did it twice. I mean, it wasn't, it shows that it wasn't a one hit wonder for one, but either way, if you're Kentucky, like this needs to be an off season where you, and I wish they kind of would have done something already, but I understand that sometimes these things move slow. There needs to be a big investment into the football program. Oh, yeah. They need to pour more money into an indoor facility. Stoops is going to get a bigger contract, but it's not just him. You need to, you know, you need to expand the pool. And, and I don't think that their uh, salary pool for assistance is, is horrible. Um, but, you know, being able to, you know, they're going to lose. Part of having a good program is losing good assistance. You know, Brad White and Liam Cohen are not going to be here forever. John Summerall is not going to be here forever. You know, you need to have money available, one, to at least be competitive and trying to keep those guys. But if they do leave, having the money to be able to get big-time assistance in here. I really, truly think, given what's happened these last few years, and if you're going to like keep like, – to me, this is the offseason that decides if Stoops is a lifer or if he's going to be going somewhere else. And I think in order to make him become a lifer, or at least make it much more appealing to him, these things that he's asking for, like it is not unreasonable to ask for a football only indoor facility. You know, that's not a huge ask, but getting the, you know, other, other aspects of being fully, totally committed. And they've done a great job. I really think they have under Stoops. I mean, they've been out in the front with his contracts early, you know, they extended them, they gave them time. They built the $45 million facility, you know, they have been committed, but it's, I think it's time to take it another level because you see that they're getting closer, but in order, I mean, this is the most competitive league in college football. And yeah. if you're going to stay up here and if you want to keep having this kind of success that they're having, you have to make big commitments. And to me, this offseason could change the course of Kentucky football for, for a long time. It absolutely could. When, when you look at this thing, I mean, six and one, seven weeks in, it's hard to believe that we're seven weeks into this season. Like, it's crazy to me. It feels like Missouri game was like just a couple of weeks ago. But this has a, this has a chance – and this program has a chance to really put itself in a great spot. And we know, Derek, I mean, it, it's evident. When you watch that game Saturday, Kentucky has a quarterback that just continues to get better that I think is going to be it, it, next year. And I'm, I'm already moving forward to next year. I think Will Levis could be one of the, the better quarterbacks in the league next year. I think that he has that type of potential. It's a dude that I have no doubt – is going to play on Sundays because when you look at his arm strength, the mechanics, everything is there. The throws he made Saturday, some of those to the boundary, the one across the middle of the field to Demarcus Harris. I mean, those are NFL throws that he made against not just an elite defense and all time good defense. That's a guy that you build your thing around. That's something that they haven't had. 
is a quarterback to build their program around. And sure, it might only be for one more year, but it's a start. What it does is it helps you go get another one. And it might be Bo Allen that's coming up behind him, but then you can go get the next one to build your program around. That's what they're getting done this season is they're taking that step forward. It, it feels different than it did three years ago because I feel like from a complete program standpoint across every skill position, I just think that they're going to be better. It's just now you couldn't go get the wide receivers until you showed the ability to throw the football and you had a quarterback that can do it. Now they're very attractive in the transfer portal, high school recruiting, all that. Kentucky will get better wide receivers moving forward. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, program's in a good spot. You know, it's it's a program worth being proud of. No no question about it at this point. There's, I mean, they're going to, like I said, we're operating on the assumption they're going to win, you know, at least five SEC games. Um, should win six at least. And that's going to be second in the East. So, that's a good step forward. Like you said earlier, playing in those big time bowl games. I still think, you know, I know maybe in this era, bowl games maybe don't mean like they used as much as they used to because you see a lot of opt outs these days. But it's the same thing we talked about the Citrus Bowl. I guarantee you, if Kentucky makes a New Year's Six Bowl, it will be a very, very big deal <laughs> for Kentucky anyway. I don't know who they're going to play. I mean, maybe they'll play a team that's there every year and they don't care as much. You know how it is. I mean, everything's relative in college football for Kentucky. It would be a monster deal. Something else they could take on the recruiting trail. Um, good point on Levis. I've said on this podcast a few times that I was kind of looking towards those last five games to see how he kind of develops. I think it's already started Sean going back to the LSU game. No, he's not throwing for a ton of yards, but his efficiency has been great. The last two weeks, uh, 14 to 17, 145 for three touchdowns against LSU Against Georgia, he should have gone over 200 yards, no question. I mean, there were so many drops that game. Um, you know, I've seen different numbers on the drop count. I think I've seen up to seven, and I've seen, I think, five. I don't know what the official number is. Either way, you're talking about and, – and I know that a lot of the throws were short. Um, some were just basically jet sweeps that were handoffs that he gets credit for. But you're talking about a potential, you know, 80-plus 80, 80 percent per, completion percentage against Georgia. Um the throw I sent you yesterday where it was play action in the third quarter, but the first completion of the Marcus Harris where he rolled left, kind of got his body in position and then threw a dart over the middle to Harris. To me, that was his best throw of the season. Given the opponent, given the difficulty of that throw, that's the kind of throw that we've not seen from a UK quarterback. Uh, I, I don't even know the last time you would go back and say someone made a throw like that. Um, moving to his left. Moving to his left, yeah. And that takes, his body that takes some arm strength. That's what I was talking about, the mechanics. 
And then he made a throw there late in the game too, maybe on the final drive that can the Kentucky scored there, all the way out to the sideline that just had a ton of steam on it. And I'm like, man, that that's a yeah. big time throw. And and let's just let's get our thoughts on this. And we didn't record on Saturday night or Sunday, so we're recording this on Monday. So we've had even more time to think, but I already know where you're going to go with it, and I know where I'm going with it. But Stoops calling the timeout there at the end, punching that thing in the end zone, Derek. I see. I saw a lot of Georgia people, a lot of fans calling it Bush League. It's only Bush League if you're if the game's in doubt. Like if you're the winning team, in my opinion, you you don't try to run up the score. You're doing all you can right there if you're Mark Stoops to score a touchdown because you have so much more to play for. Style points, how competitive you are with the final score if you're playing for a college football playoff spot, and not only that. Think of the think about the confidence this offense gets to take with it into the bye week and into Mississippi State going, man, you know, we just we punched that thing in the end zone twice. We ended that game with the final score. We had more opportunities to score points. We're getting better. And you move that forward in the season. I love the play, calling a timeout and using every second of that clock. Well, Georgia people, one, some of them probably had money riding on it, and that's <laughs> was a good way to piss anybody off if you're gonna lose money. Uh but I would still say that's your problem. I mean, it's not a Mark Stoops problem if you lost money. Uh, two, another thing with Georgia fans is like this, like we said, it's like an all-time great defense. I think those stats really, really matter to them. And I think they were just pissed off that uh, that their defense gave up another touchdown. That's honestly my thing. If you're Kentucky, Sean, and you're Stoops, and you have a 22-play drive and you don't try to score at the end, I would have been disappointed in Stoops yeah. if you didn't take a timeout and try to score after. I mean, you held the ball the last 11 minutes of the game. Like, you got to try to capitalize on that. And, I mean, they had three. I mean, McLean caught that one out of the backfield. I thought maybe if he just stretched the ball over, it would have been a touchdown there. And then they had two chances to get in and got stuffed. I mean, another thing, Georgia still had their ones in. Well, and, you know, it's not like they were playing the backups for either team. I mean, this was, you know, still the good on good going at it. And uh, Kentucky's trying to build something, man. They're trying to get more confidence for Levis. This is the first year of a new offense. You want to see points right there. I, obviously, I had no issue with it at all. I don't think it's even a I – don't, I don't know what the other national media or whatever people were saying about it. But, yeah, like you're the losing team. And, yeah, okay, it's not going to affect the outcome of the game. But why wouldn't you try to score out there? I mean, it's a 60-minute yeah. game, right? It is. And, I mean, they, they did everything right there on that drive. I mean, like you said, you, you want to capitalize, especially when you run 22 plays against that defense. You want to go punch it in and, and get a touchdown, and they, and they did that. They did just that. Yeah. They got to build momentum and take that in the rest of the schedule. A couple of things, though, Derek, when, when you're playing a team like Georgia, you know they're great when that first score, when Georgia scored, you already kind of thought in your mind, I don't know if Kentucky can score twice and win this game. That's how you know you're playing someone really, really good. And that kind of just magnified in my mind that, that Georgia's the best team in the country. If I felt that way in the press box, when they scored 7 nothing, I said, can, I don't know if Kentucky can – I felt like it was a game Kentucky had to have the lead early and then try to hang on. Uh, but they ended up having uh, Georgia go up. But Kentucky comes back, gets a touchdown before the half. They have the ball, chance to score. They got down there again. They, they had a, a field goal blocked. Uh, that could have been a touchdown had they got the block out there for Rodriguez. He could have walked into the end zone. So, I mean, they, they had opportunities. You're talking about a team that they were playing that I legitimately think – I think maybe only two teams in the country can even beat them. Yeah. I think Alabama, obviously, is a team that has recruited at the same level. 
championship pedigree. I mean, it's a great program. They've kind of owned Georgia. They can absolutely beat Georgia in SEC championship. And really the only other team I would even look at, and it's because they can score the ball very well and they have wide receivers that you need, is Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State, though, has the defense to be able to. I mean, mm. if Georgia's going to be explosive on offense like they were Saturday, no one is going to beat them. But in terms of being able to actually keep pace and score, I think Ohio State has the necessary skill players to do so. I really don't think there are any other teams in the – like Cincinnati, I know they almost beat them in a bowl game last year. No shot. Absolutely no shot to beat Georgia. Oklahoma, don't see it. Don't see it at all. So you're talking about, you know, a team that basically no one else besides maybe one team or two teams have a chance to beat. So for UK, I think you wanted to get out of there with some confidence. I honestly think they did that on offense, scored two touchdowns. I mean, that first scoring drive was impressive. I think Cohen dug really deep into his tricks. I mean, he saw a hook and lateral on uh, <laughs> Robinson to smoke. The, the, the play they scored on, beautiful motion two fakes on that play you get uh rig leaking out wide open levis gets it to him should have been a great confidence building drive but like we said it on the podcast last week they were not going to start uk was not going to start on the 25 and have many drives where it just got downfield you saw it happen twice they had two scoring drives and it took 22 plays and 14 plays you compare that to georgia which had one driver they literally did not throw the ball they just ran it four straight times at uk and scored a touchdown that's like when you could tell how big of a difference it was, <clears throat> excuse me, between these two teams. It's, Kentucky had to work so hard for everything, and most teams do against Georgia, whereas Georgia could, you know, have Stetson Bennett throw a jump ball to Brock Bowers, and he could go down and come down with it. I mean, that was a supremely talented team. Um, one other thing to talk about as we continue on here, um, injuries. Isaiah Cummings got hurt there right at the very end of the game, I think about a minute left. On a play where I thought he looked pretty good, Sean, cutting over the middle, yeah. was running good, running hard, and he just got crushed by uh, the Kobe Dean right on the shoulder. We'll see. Um, no media today. Uh, we'll have all media tomorrow, and that'll be the only time all week that we hear any. Obviously, with the bye week, not as much news. Um, they're hoping Josh Ali will be back from Mississippi State, but the injuries of, you know, when you go back to the preseason too, Sean, I know injuries affect everybody. They've been hit pretty hard, though at key guys that they, they were going to count on. Who knows how Dekel Crowdis would have come along through seven games because I think he was certainly set to be in the rotation. Um, you know, Upshaw, that would have been a great game for Keaton Upshaw. You saw how much the tight ends got involved this past game. I mean, he could have had a really good game against those guys. So, I mean, they're having to work hard. You got two defensive linemen out. Um, I don't think anyone else on defense got hurt where they didn't come back. I know Quirker got hurt there early in the game, but he was back out there. So the bye week comes at a great time. Getting Josh Ali back, though, I think will be big. Do I think Josh Ali is an elite receiver? Not by any means, but I do think he is the clear second-best wide receiver on this team. In these last five games, they've got a chance to, to move the ball pretty well, and I think to put up some good numbers and getting him back will go a long way in helping that out. Um, but the last thing I kind of want to throw in here, Sean, before I turn it back to you, we've talked about – the wide receiver stuff obviously we know they're gonna not only recruit the high scoring sorry they got several guys committed trying to get some more they'll also go to the transfer portal do you think the common fan who was maybe holding out hope how much do you think Wondell Robinson being so much better than everybody else in that room kind of highlighted how bad 
they had to get better receivers. Hadn't really even thought about it. I don't think we really knew how bad that not, I don't want to say bad, but maybe not a elite level for the SEC to win games against the good teams to, to step up and make plays. I don't think we really realized what was missing because we never really got a chance to really see it. And maybe that's why they had to run the football so much <laughs> in recent years because they, and they, they've got guys that are, that are good receivers but you're still missing those top-end guys. You need another guy like Wondell. Not, it doesn't have to be as good as Wondell, but you need someone that can take some pressure off of him. I mean, look at the targets that he got on Saturday. because the, And that's there's no way to spread it around because you have to go to him and go to him and go to him. Uh, how much of it, too, were these guys missed just so much development time in recent years because they, they couldn't throw the football? That year when Lynn had to play quarterback, which uh, we're talking, you know, Ali and – and some of these others, I mean, a lot of these guys are still still young guys in the program, Derek, but it's pretty eye-opening, the difference in talent from number one to number two, and then as you move throughout it. But Cummings, you mentioned him. Uh, we got a picture of him that looked like he was in a sling or something as he was coming off the field on Saturday. I haven't, I haven't posted it or anything, but he was definitely had something around that arm, so I don't really know exactly what the injury was, but uh, hopefully – for this offense, they get good news because that's a guy that I think could really come on strong the last five weeks. Uh, I mean, you heard Stoops talk about in the post game almost immediately. Talked about he hoped that you know he'd be okay because he's he's coming along. He's someone next year that I think is going to be a very big uh, piece to this offense. Um, you know, if he can't play, you're Jordan Dingle. And he's going to have to play. I think. I mean, they're going to keep using three tight ends. I think with uh, with how these things are. And I think Dingle's only played in one game. I'm not saying he's going to stay out there a ton, but he's he's more athletic than Bates and Rig. And um, he was a pretty pretty coveted recruit, really, top 500 guy. So we'll see. I mean, that's, that's assuming Cummings can't play. You know, good news with the bye week is that'll give him another week to, to heal up. If he was in a sling already, I doubt he's going to be practicing any this week. So you'll just try to – Try to get him back. One other guy I want to talk about, Sean, I think really impressed people in that Georgia game. And, of course, he's been talked about a lot, scored a touchdown against LSU, but Jatom McLean, yep. as they move forward. That was my breakout pick. Yeah. Well, we understand that uh, Chris Rodriguez is – I've about had it with him running routes. I'll say that <laughs> lining up. And uh, he doesn't have very good hands. And he's not really going to do anything after the catch. McLean need these last five games. Now that he's been back for a few few weeks, it's time you get a you get a heavy share of those targets. If you're going to be throwing it to the running backs, I say you know you definitely need to phase out Rodriguez in that area. Get McLean those targets or or smoke. Um, but I would still prefer McLean because he he needs to have a bigger role. He's because he's going to be somebody next year that honestly could potentially be their starting running back next season he can just do so much for you he's versatile in that way I would think he's going to come on these last five games he needs to they, they got to develop somebody else outside of Wandell and uh to me he's probably the best option to do that well you you see why that so many guys uh or the, the Eddie Graham was high on him and Liam Cohen was high on him so I mean you you see why <laughs> when you see the things that he can do on the football field uh that was my breakout player Going into Saturday, I honestly, I'm, I'm going to stick with it and say that's my breakout player for the last five games of the season. I think he's going to make some plays and and help this offense out, Derek. But I, I think that pretty much covers everything we want to talk about today. Uh, mailbag coming up. I know you all have got your questions in. we got a full mailbag. Looking forward to that episode. We're also going to talk some Kentucky basketball this week. 
with the blue-white game set for Friday night, and then the first exhibition game a week from Friday. So Kentucky basketball's here, Kentucky football, going to continue doing its thing. Media day on Wednesday, too. Media day on Wednesday. So we'll have an episode coming from Kentucky basketball media day as well. So stay locked in to Kentucky Daily. Episodes are going to crank up for sure this week. Uh, as always, the show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 